Let's talk about football. It's time for the Donald Fans Radio Podcast. and welcome to the February edition of the Darlow Fans Radio Podcast, broadcast here from the Forum in Darling. We've got a packed show for you tonight, I hope you sit back and enjoy it, uh, and I'm joined by some fantastic panellists as well, so going around the table left to right as we are here, I'm going to say good evening to Kev Luff, Darlow's media mogul. Evening Kev. Evening, how are you? Good, thank you Kev. We've also got a first timer around the table as well, we've got Rob Duncan from the Darlington Football Club Supporters Group. Evening, Rob. Good evening, everybody. Looking forward to this. Bit nervous, but there you go. Don't worry, have you, you, you're on debut. Everyone gives you loads of slack on debut. It's just Good like stuff. being a, a young midfielder, uh, something like that. Like it used to be. We've also got the Northern Echoes Darlington correspondent, Craig Stoddart. Hi, Craig. Evening, Stu. On his day off, I might add. From work. A rare one, a rare day off. Extra bonus points. And we've also got co-commentator and podcast stalwart, Michael Price as well. Evening, Mike. Good evening, Jim. And we should, start, we should start there as well by saying thanks, Mike, for uh, stepping in last time and, uh, and leading the charge when I was on my uh, deathbed. Uh, be it good news or bad, I'm, I'm back now anyway. Uh, I don't know whether that's good news or bad. Maybe the listeners will tell us. Should we put a poll on the, the uh, Twitter later? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I know which way it's going to go, but we can, uh, we can put a poll on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know what you meant by that. <laughs> but anyway, we've got plenty to talk about, and uh, it's wonderful as well, isn't it, chaps, to be sitting here on a night where we're not going to talk about a string of defeats as well I don't know I think that's the first question how, how are we feeling about things are we feeling a little brighter of uh, of some grey hairs turned black, back dark again oh definitely yes definitely yeah. getting those three, three wins and uh, a couple of draws maybe not so good last week but uh, yeah I think we're on the right path it's a lot more positive I think isn't it it's uh, heading up, at least looking upwards now as opposed to over our shoulders yeah, definitely be nice to continue that momentum over the next month or so, but uh, a very welcome upturn in fortunes. Yeah, it needed, wasn't it? Because things were looking very bleak uh, two or three weeks ago. Um, yeah, we've shown some, some green shoots of recovery, I think, at the moment. Green shoots of recovery. I was walking this morning, the daffodils are coming up, the snowdrops are coming up, I had a spring in my step, and it's nice to come into this little room here at the Forum, and they're very kind to us in here, but it's nice to come in with an aroma of relief rather than some of the aromas that we've had at previous times <laughs> in this season, isn't it? And those yeah. three straight wins, as Rob said, made a massive difference to how everybody's feeling, I think. They really did. Good. OK, right. Let's get kicking off a little bit. We're going to start off without... It would be remiss of us not to mention one of the uh, big occasions that happened just at the end of January there, which was the 60-year commemoration of Darlington's epic FA Cup victory at Chelsea. Rob's got the programme with him here February from that 29th. very day. February the 29th. Was there the replay. Go. That was the replay. That was the replay, yeah. 1958. Yeah. Well, that's weird, because it was January, wasn't it? Anyway. Uh, no, the, this was the replay. Wednesday, 29th of February. Oh, OK. Not to worry. Anyway, so that was that's the... Uh, 
That was the 60-year celebration. There was a great piece that Chris Lloyd did, the Northern Echo, that got us thinking about it. And uh, exciting news for us, I think, is we've managed to get an interview with one of the guys who was at both of those games as well, which we'll be able to bring you next month. So we've got to focus on that Chelsea game next time out. But it did get me thinking, and I'm going to start with you on this one, Mike, and I hope it doesn't shock you too much. It got me thinking of momentous uh, moments through Darlington's history, and there have been some, definitely. So I'm going to start with you here, and the question I've got for you, Mike, just as an icebreaker, let's call it an icebreaker, is if you could go back and spend 60 seconds of your life back at a momentous Darlington occasion in history, what would you pick? I think a lot of people who are familiar with um, my history would probably expect me to go for a particular 60 seconds that I wasn't present for in the 119th minute of a particular FA Trophy final at Wembley. Um, so I won't disappoint them. Um, and I would obviously have loved to be there. Um, I know everybody would have expected me to say that, so there you go. Um, otherwise, just for the sheer disbelief um, and sheer joy that it brought to me to be there to witness it in person, I would use that 60 seconds darting through the first half of the Whitby game when we were five, when we scored five or six goals, just give me 10, 12 seconds per goal. And just let me just sort of walk through the first half and use the 60 seconds up in chunks. Very just so good. I can be there and witness that for the first time again. Very good. Stretching the rules a little bit there, but I like the, I like the way you did that in such an analytical way, which is exactly how I would expect you to do that, Mike. No good. Yeah, a couple of good suggestions there. Craig, what about you? What would, where would you go for your 60 seconds? Um, if I'm honest, I think any doubt fan that was at I'm not going to go where you think I'm going with this, by the way. <laughs> but I do think any Downton fan that was at Wembley in 2011, the answer to the question, the correct answer to the question is Wembley 2011, because that for me is utopia. Scoring a last minute winner at Wembley in a final, that doesn't get any better. And it won't get any better. If my, uh, that, that <laughs> is as good as it gets. Yeah. Might as well, might, might as well uh, pack in now, because that is as good <laughs> yeah, as it's going to get. There goes all the early It's all downhill from now. Leave it there, walk away. But. Aside from that, putting that to one side, which asking me for 60 seconds in Downton's history I'd like to have been at, I will say the the planning meeting at which George Reynolds attended Rough 99 when he went in there and demanded for a, a bit of land to build a football stadium. I'd like to have been there just to say, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, which is bloody stupid. No. And that's it. And we carry on the items and we stay as we are in the town centre. No stupid stadium. No Bridge Portland, no Northern League, etc. Might have needed more than 60 seconds to get a good listen. Yeah, well, I wasn't expecting that one. No, good one. Well, you know, you, you asked the question, where would you go for yeah. 60 seconds? Yeah. And you just assumed that people would watch as I did. opposed to I did. not get involved. Now, if we're allowed to get involved, like Craig wants to do, <laughs> I would go to the game against Peterborough, that FA Cup tie, where we could have played Newcastle and took the bloody ball off Conley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, still, it's still going into Poland later and beyond, isn't it? I underestimated you, lads, here. I really did. <laughs> go on then, Rob, where would you have gone for your 60 seconds? Well, probably the last 60 seconds uh, of the game against Hartlepool, where that lovely team up the road. In about 1981, I think it was, Easter Monday, getting beat 2-1 we were, and then we eventually won 5-2, Alan Walsh scoring four goals. So it'll have to be the 60 seconds when, when the final whistle when we're all dancing about and everything like that there. It was a great day, that, because I remember going out on the night and having rather one or two drinks and seeing a band, and uh, it was just a tremendous night. So 
And Alan Walsh, you know, a top scorer. I just remember him. Uh, very unassuming type of guy he was and uh, just carrying the ball off very nonchalantly right at the end there. But uh, that was it. That would be for me to go back to that particular day, that 60 seconds at the end. Yeah, well, there's maybe more chance of uh, us beating Hartlepool and someone scoring a hat trick in the future years as there is of us coming back to Wembley and uh, and scoring a last minute winner. The way that the way that our friends up the road are going at the moment. Yes, that's right. Um, it's not good for them, is it? Um, a lot of people are happy to see them in the position, but I think a lot of us probably want them to survive and. Uh, uh, but maybe get them moved down five leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, so other than other than taking Barry Con- Conlon's penalty for yeah. him in the home game against Peterborough, that you can keep that as your answer, Kevin, if you want. But if if you were going to have another one, where would you go? Uh, I was like uh, well in a way. Well in a way to see that header. Gary Courtsworth's. Mm. Um, it was a little bit before my time. Um, I think I had seen one or two games around that time, but. You know, it was an away game, so I, I, I totally wasn't there. I think my first away game was Scunthorpe, when we needed to win the Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was my first. 3-3. 3-3, So, yeah, that was a little bit before my time, really. I, I, I just wouldn't like to have seen it. Yeah, there was, I mean, there's a couple of us in the room here that were there in, in our formative years that was some because there was so much tension going into that because it was one promotion place, no playoffs. Yeah. Barnet, I think, were at. Barrow or somewhere like that I think on the same day uh, I forget where they were now but I think um, they won they won easily easy 5-0 or something yeah. and they kicked off late as well didn't they for some unusual uh, Stan Flashman like yeah. reason I'm sure there's a re- I'm sure he was involved at some point yeah but yeah we did it in the end and my first away game the, the Welling one it was not a bad first one to go there really no actually going back to Rob you know the 5-2 you, you mm. mentioned how do you think that compares to the 4-2 against Hartlepool in 95 in the FA Cup uh, it's, it's, it's more in the memory to be honest uh, that, because it's a closer in time but I think I just as a you know I'll be 21 or whatever and I think that just the whole day because of what it was about it was an Easter Monday and all the rest that I was doing on the occasion and that but the, the cup match yeah yeah, I mean that was so you were, 20, you were 21 at the time of that Alan Moore game so in I think an 81 game yeah, yeah I think that's a fact you see I think when you're a bit younger these yeah. games kind of I don't know, I think sometimes mean a little bit more kind of thing. Yeah. And that 4 2 hard pull away. Mm. It was the FA Cup, you say. Oh, yeah. 4 2 away. Yeah. I must have been, I'll have been 17, 18, mm. so. Mm. And, I'll uh, have been uh, middle aged. Quite middle aged, 35. It's just another game for you, Robert. It's just another game for me. Yeah. <laughs> happy to be alive, aren't you? <laughs> 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 yeah. You're the right optimism's back in the room. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of rather young people sat around this table. I am the senior <laughs> member here. So you just watch it, chaps. We, we give you all due respect. <laughs> thank for you, role. thank you. I, I think I, I was going to go, when we started this, I was actually thinking I was going to go Rochdale in the Division 4 Championship and in game at home. But I think, actually, having listened to you guys, I think I'll go a bit further back. And I mentioned this the, pre, the previous episode. I think I'll go back to that Middlesbrough FA Cup tie on the Tuesday night where I was with my dad with a flask in the snowbanks and uh, Gary McDonald and Phil Lloyd, I think, um, uh, helped us beat Middlesbrough on that night. That's where I'd go. But I'll... Uh, I'll I've talked about that already on a previous podcast, so I'm not going into too much detail on that. Nice nice to have the chance to be able to do that though, isn't it? Ooh. Good. Okay, great. Well that was a good that was a good icebreaker. I think that went I think that went rather well and I'm feeling quite warm inside after all those happy memories. Uh, so the first feature we've got for you on this month's Starlow Fans Radio podcast comes when I took a little time to sit down with Darlington Football Club's performance analyst, 
Tom Sowerby a couple of days ago. Now, many of you might not realise we even have had a performance analysis this year, but that's been a, a central part of, uh, of the club as they look to professionalise and take on some new ideas. So I sat down with Tom and asked him how he first got interested in this particular area. There we go. So Tom, the first question I've got for you really is how did you get into this performance analysis? What's, what's your background and how did you get involved? So I was um, approached by my university this year. So I'm a third year university student um, at the Central Lancashire in Preston um, doing sports coaching. And at the start of the year, we get um, a set of modules that we're, we're um, like asked to take and uh, additional modules. And I chose to do analysis. So um we're given a project and analysis where we have to work in an elite environment for a year um, and, and and basically do do their analysis for that for that year. So I obviously it was a no-brainer for me, come to Darlington. Um, at the time it was obviously with Martin. And then it obviously as time's moved on, um, it, it turns out my my new manager was going to be Tommy. So I approached Tommy um, after the Bradford PA game at, at home and, and he was all for it. Um, Obviously, a student coming to you and saying, uh, it's, I can offer you free analysis, um, university giving me the resources I need um, to, to, to carry out the work is, is an absolute no-brainer, I think, for Tommy. And um, it was an opportunity for me to, to get going and give myself some experience, hopefully, for the future. And, and presumably, sport analysis somehow is a kind of career choice that you want to take beyond your graduation, is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think if you asked me two years ago, I'm very heavily into cricket, and it would have been going down a cricket coaching point of view, but now it's it's totally changed, it's opened my eyes up. I mean, I've um, never really played football, but um, I think tactical awareness is a major thing now, and it was, I mean, I've grown up... My, obviously family and majorly into football and that and I've always been exposed to it and I've always gone and watched the games but to be on the different side of things and having to delve into the tactics as I say and, and, and really opening that up so yeah hopefully um, this is the start of a career for me in, in doing analysis at, at obviously in football and I think once you've done it in football you can it translate into, into pretty much any sport now. Good, so university, you got your brief and they said, okay, Tom, off you go, go find yourself an elite sport and environment. So how, how come that ended up being Darlow? It was a, it was a first thought for me. I think I could have probably approached um, a few clubs and gone, you know, maybe base myself over in Lancashire um, and, and gone through there. But for me, I was, I, I was always keen to come home and, and help out a local club for me. Um, obviously you can't always base it on the results and how well we're doing however you know have any impact you can make as a alright as a fan but as somebody that can offer some assistance in any way I think that was always always the thing for me I always wanted to turn around and go no why can't I come home and obviously as my relationship's built up with Tommy it's it's obvious I'm really glad no regrets at all um, I think I, I made the right decision from day one Fantastic. So there'll be a lot of people listening to this who will hear that we've got Darlington's performance analyst in and they won't have a clue what performance analysis is, what it looks like. So maybe we should think about that a little while. So what does it, what does it look like on a match day and, and that system from, you know, from kick-off through to whenever you produce the output of, of your work? Yeah, totally. So basically on a match day, um, I'll be... Um, obviously at home, I'll be based on the balcony, probably stood next to Kev. Um, and and it'll be 
pre-game will very much be me looking over stats, having a chat with Tommy, um, and just just thinking, you know, how we're going to play, and that'll be decided obviously by by Tommy and Alan pre, uh, well, the, on the week building up to the game. But it's basically just a catch up for me because it's sometimes difficult for me to get over um, for Tuesday and Thursday training, obviously with university, and it's not exactly around the corner. Um, so very, very much it's a catch up team lineup thing like things like that, and then um, moving on to the game, we use um, use a software at the moment called Dartfish, and that enables us to um, to basically uh, live what we call live quarter game. So events like passing, aerial duels, shots on target, crossing, and things like that, we can register them all to each player, in, each individual, and that can be accessed any time. So if Tommy needs a bit of evidence at half time or at full time, then it's it's basically on a bit of um, bit of paper for him, and he can go on and do that. Um, so that's literally you stood on the balcony with an iPad, with an iPad, pressing buttons for yeah. ninety minutes. That's what it is, um, and then that's replicated onto my laptop, onto a dashboard where it's a little bit more clear, and um, and, it, and that can be given to Tommy. And if he want, if he needs to use it or wants to use it, he can. Very interesting. So that's your kind of live during the game yep. activity. Then afterwards, I think you get the footage off Kev. Don't yeah, you, the live Kev, footage. Kev and... gives me his brilliant footage, um, and then from that, uh, obviously, go away from it and, and put it into another another dashboard called Sports Code. Uh, now, this is something University gave me. So we get um, MacBooks from from University with Sports Code on our Sports Code. If you were to buy a single license for it, it actually costs about fifteen thousand pounds. So it's not a cheap thing. However, obviously, if the university funded it and they've got a, like a number of MacBooks available, um, it, um, I feel really lucky to be able to use it because obviously, um, not many clubs, at, at our standard at least, can turn around and go. There's fifteen thousand pounds to go and spend. Um, so yeah, I put it put it into Sports Code, and we Sports Code basically you would use a lot more video footage. So your dart fish would give you your numbers and your stats, whereas your sports code could basically relate the stats and put it into videos. And that that could be a lot more helpful. I think there's a lot of literature out there to say, um, you know, if you give give some players some numbers on a bit of paper, they're not going to take that in or they're not going to make give their full awareness. Whereas if you show them videos and stats, they're really going to take that in and they, they'll be able to understand it a lot better anyway. And you were able to just give me a run through there beforehand. So this is the type of you know evidence where you can code you know an individual player's distribution or passes or missed chances for a player or whatever it is. And if Tommy wanted it, um, then you can basically produce a short clip that shows all of those yeah, so pieces. Yeah, say for example, we're looking at um, all of the crosses a, a midfield player's made in the game. And how he's got into that position, and the outcome of the cross, and things like that. Well, it's it's a, a click of a few buttons um, to put it into an organizer on Sports Code, and then um, and then export that, and that can be easily sent over to Tommy, Alan, any any of the players that that want to look at their stuff. I mean, it's um, it is very 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 easy to use once you get to know how to use it. I think that's the big thing for me. I hadn't used it at the start of the year, so at the start of the year it was very. Um, it was very much, you know, simplised and me getting to know it as well as, you know, I think for Tommy it was 
when you first come to a club as a manager, you you probably don't know your um, key performance indicators, your KPIs, and obviously he didn't know how the squad was going to perform or anything, and it was very rare for him, and it was the same for everyone. Um, so it was a few weeks um, into the project as such that uh, we got our set KPIs down, and I think from there we we built some on sports code going. Um, it's called the code window. And basically, that's the things like you're passing and you're crossing and things like that. And, um, and and we can move that and you can use that every week. So it's developed every single week, uh, the analysis, I would say. And it's getting more and more buy-in and hopefully moving into next, um, next pre-season and next season. Um, we'll have the opportunity, obviously, to develop it more and, and use it in front of the players more and do the video feedback sessions like you would see at, you know... Um, probably in a league club, so yeah, I think it's it's going really really good at the moment, um, and obviously, it's I'm getting a lot out of it through my project, but for more, it's it's more of my concerns, more about the club, and it's more about how I can help them both on and off the pitch. Yeah, very good. And if you if you think of a couple of examples or a couple of areas that have been really valuable or the most valuable or the most interesting for Tommy and Alan and the team. That you've produced are there any things that stand out as being you know after you've been in a few months these are the things that we're most interested in or have had the most impact I think yeah I think as I said drawing up them um, like a stats pack every week is I think it can be overlooked sometimes and maybe some of the ones I've done where you, you look back at them and you, you think you look at your stats pack and um, it might not reflect the game you might have lost you know um, you might have lost the game and yet the stats pack says you played well. Now that's when you've got to be clever as an analyst and you've got to interpret it the right way and drawing videos in and what have you and, and really blending it all together and saying, you know, we might have passed a lot sideways and backwards and why is that? And, you know, I think then delivering that back to the players is crucial, but certainly some of the stuff I really enjoy is the player-specific stuff. So I know we're really lucky at the moment to have Ainsley on board um, and he's playing really well. And I think... To, to look at his clips back and send them over to Middlesbrough and stuff like that. I think I feel like I have my most involvement to say I'm developing, hopefully contributing to developing that player's future because I know at Middlesbrough they, they have a great setup there and it's um it's very much he will. I know he'll be looking at them clips and I know he, he'll take a lot out of them and it, just being able to see things on on a sort of in a video format is crucial for players yeah, and I guess just extending that a little bit if we're looking to try and persuade other clubs in the league in the championship to loan as players I guess if we can produce some detailed feedback on their performance exactly. as they go it makes it a more attractive place for Save, them to save their players. analysis team you know I think having to, for them if they were to do it all on their own it would be having to get the footage from us which obviously isn't a problem but it's time and then after that putting into sports code and doing it like it, I think the main thing is it is saving time for them, but and they know that the the quality of work is going to be up to standard. They know that they're not going to turn around and go, well, you know, um, we don't trust them because they're only a lower league club. Blah blah blah. I think it's very much no. You know, I met up with the guy um, Curtis over at Middlesbrough. And he he was very much this is what I want from Ainsley's clips and. Yeah. Can you go and do it, basically? Fantastic. And it was, it was straight away. It was absolutely no problem. Great example. So a couple of questions just on my mind before we finish up, Tom. So one of which, if I look at a really good performance this year as a fan, I, was, I think I did commentary on the day, but Blythe Spartans at home. Yes. Right? 
So it looked to me as, as a neutral observer without any stats or knowledge or any of the analysis that you've got that we played well on that day. That looked like a good performance. I would totally agree. I think it was an all-round performance from the team. That I think listening to, to Tommy's feedback and stuff, and it, it was, everything clicked on that day. So that's my question then. When you went back and looked at the analysis, it, did, it, did, it, did um, it play out in the analysis as well? What did we do well on that day? Yeah, it stood out, I think. Um, I think that's the way I'll put it. it if we... Um, we create database on a on a regular basis of the whole season and compare games to different games and what have you. And I think um, I think that one just stood out. I think it did, and I, it was very much you know we look at the attempts we created and how we created them attempts, and I think everything clicked on that day. And it was so good to see because I know we've been through a bit of a tough time previously, but to pick up and get results like we have done in the past few games, I think it. And it has reflected major in, in my work. You know, it's it's always easier to develop sort of stats packs on a Sunday when we've we've had a, a good three points. I think a big one for me, and it, it was relevant um, in my work, was uh, in away at Bradford um, Park Avenue. We only made fifty-five passes in the second half, and I think for me that was. Um, it was massive. We're normally putting a, a probably about 150 passes. Now, to only have 55 passes shows the grit and determination and how much we didn't have the ball in that second half. Um, and and really, for me, that was it was massive. And I think, you know, Tommy to say, obviously, we brought certain individuals on and, and did made certain substitutions at the end, and that was great. But, um, to, yeah, to sort of say we didn't have much of the ball, yet we've, we've gone and got a great three points away from home which is probably going to reflect massive at the end of the season. Good stuff. It's all part of the team effort, isn't it? It must be so valuable for the, the staff to be able to look back and have sight of the analysis that you're producing and the stats and the video clips and everything like that. I hope it's been a good experience for you and I hope it's... has it. Well, that's the question. Has it given you this experience, everything that you wanted it to give you for your final studies? Yeah, it's given me more than what I'd needed, if I'm going to be totally honest. I think... I think for a project of my, you know, the portfolio I'm making for university, I probably need six games now. I'm already well over that now. Um, and I've got absolutely no concerns that I'm still going to be here at the end of the season. Um, it's very much a, it, it's given me the experience, not just working the, the sort of systems as in the dart fish and the, um, the sports club, but being in that elite environment and being in that team and being working with a manager, it's, it's taught me a lot and, you're making mistakes but at the end of the day you, you learn from them and I think for me I couldn't ask for any more from Tommy and Alan um, if I've had, ever had any questions they've always been straight away on the phone or um, I've been able to meet up with them and, and, and discuss them and I couldn't as I say I couldn't ask for any more from them too um, and the players they've they've, uh, they've done their jobs and you know they've welcomed me in and they've, there's never been any questions other than you know thank you sort of thing so I think it's brilliant I couldn't, I could, as I say, I couldn't ask for any more. Brilliant, Tom. Well, thanks for coming along and talking us through how that all works. I think it's fascinating having had a look at it today and I'm sure it's been interesting for all the listeners as well. So thanks again for joining us on the podcast and uh, wish you all the best finishing off your studies uh, and whatever you're going to do next. No, lovely, thank you. So many thanks to Tom Sowerby, our performance analysis, for taking the time to explain a little bit about the role and the development that we've made as a club in that area through this season. Interesting stuff, Kev, isn't it? To hear about yeah. how he goes about that and the developments that are in that space. Um, given 
you know, you mentioned in that interview he uses the footage that I provided and you know, we've we've started working, you know, quite closely together on, on some bits. Um, you know, he's normally next to me when I'm filming the game, at away game certainly, and up on the balcony at Blackwell Meadows. And um, you know, like you say he's he's watching the game constantly, he's doing stuff on his iPad and producing all these reports and um it's it's amazing the sort of stuff they get out of it. It is, isn't it? And Craig, we, we, we spend a bit of time up on that balcony, don't we, with, as, you know, or in the visiting media areas, and you're starting to see, as we've got from Northern League to Everstick, now you're in the Conference North, there's more and more teams, even at this level, who've got some sort of an, an analysis going on, isn't there? Well, and I think it's trickled down from the top, but this has been going on in the Premier League level, uh, this kind of analysis, for 10, 15 years, at, yeah, 10, 15 years at least. I think some of the is credited with doing it. Um, he's got teams of these people whenever he goes to goes to a club so it, naturally clubs beneath that level look at above and try and copy it and it's it trickled down to our level now National League North and uh, I know having watched Tom uh, after, after a game he does spend hours on, on this so I like to think uh, it's, a, it's a value what, what he's doing he's bringing something to Tommy and Alan um, I think he watches the games back at about, about three quarter speed roughly so it takes probably two, two and a half hours to watch a match. While he's putting these little arrows on the pitch and dots on, on players, to, as I say, measure, measure distances and how far, uh, how many passes are going forward, how many left, how many right, etc., etc. He's doing all this. And it takes, as I say, he doesn't watch the game at full speed because it would be impossible to do all that yeah. on the full speed. So he watches the game half speed or three-quarter speed. He spends ages doing it. So um, hopefully it's of value to him and his university course that, that he's doing and to Tommy and Alan as well. What's interesting about it is, obviously, at the level where that we get sort of very minimal contact with players during the week, we get two training sessions of maybe, what, an hour and a half, two hours, something like that, um, twice a week. So, you know, if, if you've got some data of stuff where you think, like, OK, we need to work on this because the data is telling us this, if it helps us sort of drill down into that in training, you know, then great, you know, it's got to be useful, hasn't it? It's all different from when we played in the Sunday morning not, league, not, isn't it? Not <laughs> Kick the ball. Exactly. No, <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I, I found it fascinating to sit down with Tom and uh, and learn about that. I've not really seen under the engine of all, how all of that stuff works. I've seen it on documentaries in Premier League clubs and stuff like that, but it was really interesting to see. So great work, Tom, and, and thanks for spending the time with us. Generally speaking, we're feeling pretty good, aren't we, about how the... The last five matches have gone since the last time we had a podcast. So five games in that time, we had three wins, uh, a draw against Chorley and then just a defeat at the weekend. But as we said, we're starting to feel a little bit better about ourselves, aren't we? And before we talk about that, we'll perhaps just go back a little bit to the turning point, I think, in that run, which is the game away at Leamington. And we'll just relive uh, those goals in that 3-2 away victory. The defender got ahead to it, so it's a Darlow throw-in. Trotman's going to take it halfway inside their half, and they get a good little one-two. Will Trotman get to it? He does. Plays it infield to the edge of the box. There's Steich, and we've got a penalty. Yeah. Referee's given the penalty. Stephen Thompson, head down. Keepers ready. Referee blows. Here we go. Blast yeah. into the basket of the net. Straight down Woo. the middle to make it Leamington nil, Darlington one. Good long ball forward from Leamington. Darlington winning the headers, but not getting it clear. And it's calling for the number 11. Oh, and just oh, given yeah. a penalty away. Obeng just brought down there. A cheap penalty to give away. Gittins is going to take the penalty. Come on, Pears. Here we go. 
And he gives and he shoots. Oh, and Pear's got his right hand to it. But it's still had enough power on it to go into the net. So that makes it Leamington 1, Darlington 1. Right, so it's a corner for Leamington on the Darlington right-hand side. We can't, again, we can't see. It's gone long. It's got the far post. And they get ahead on it. And then left his marker. And it's the number 10, Edwards. Gary Brown's uh, rival from the first half who rises and gets a good, solid contact and puts the ball into the net to make it Leamington 2, Darlington 1. Plays the ball to Stiche, moves it to Thompson. Thompson's going to try and hit that byline. He's cut inside, and he's cut inside. He shoots! Yeah! And it's a goal for Stephen Thompson! Oh, the diving head to clear it. Comes back to Caton. Caton's whizzing on the ball. He gets a crossing again, low and hard. Comes all the way to clear it. Stephen Thompson! Yeah! And it's a goal! Stephen Thompson scores for Darlington! The cross comes in, he, pull, he pulls the cross back. Stephen Thompson's way in there and he smashes it into the corner of the net to make it Dal uh, Leamington 2, Darlington 3. So pretty exciting stuff, wasn't it, down at Leamington to come back from 3-2. I hope you enjoy listening back to that comedy I did earlier on today when I, when I brought it back up, certainly. But to, to describe that as a turning point, Kev, is that overdoing it or did no, you see it that no, way? Uh, I think... We'll, we will look back at the end of the season that could potentially be you know, a massive game and um, you know, we, we were 2-1 down in that game there was about what 30 minutes left Craig something like that yeah we were down to 10 men um, and we do you know what we were 2-1 down playing against 10 men I thought we looked a little bit lost we were looking around you know, mm -hmm. thinking how do we get out of this hole and then Tommy bought on Phil Turnbull James Caton, and that's what completely swung the game. Um, all of a sudden, you had Phil Turnbull dictating tempo. You had uh, James Caton getting at players down the left-hand side. We finally started to stretch them, and we, you know, Tomo uh, got the two goals, and you know, we kicked on after that. Yeah, very good. Rob, you were there, weren't you? Getting excited, I was, I was, um, uh, using all sorts of expletives and stuff. Did you I, enjoy that day? You enjoy it afterwards, don't you? At the time when we're two one down, I I really thought we're going to struggle to get a point here. Really are, and then we had that turning point, as Kev says, where he brought the subs on, and it just seemed to change the game. We got down there, we got balls across the face of the goal, and uh, and we did it. And for once, we got a late goal uh, rather than conceding the late goal. But it was touching going. I agree with Kev. I think we'll look back. Hopefully that game was the uh, the turning point. We needed a win, you know. We just hadn't won. We weren't winning any time. We, we, were, we were drawing, and we, the defeats we had were close. But three points at the end of the day uh, was so important. And uh, yeah, I've uh, I really uh, went home in a happy frame of mind, and that could have been a completely different change of mind. But I just think um, yeah, we got it right, and I think that kick started things and. Uh, as we probably discussed the other games and everything there, but uh, yeah, nervous times, nervous did, times. Did you see that one coming, Craig? Half an hour ago, two one. They'd had ten men as well when they'd gone two one up, hadn't they, Leamington as well? So that you know, at, at that point, could you see, could you see it coming? Uh, I don't think, I don't think anybody could. Could we really? Yeah. Um, we, were, we were struggling, but the game wasn't just a turning point for Darlington. It was also a turning point for James Caton. He's mm -hmm. from from nowhere. He's gone from being completely on the fringes to you know. He wasn't even needed to be fair for a period. He wasn't even on the bench, uh, and sometimes he was on new sub. And then suddenly, his performance at Leamington was remarkable. I think obviously being in the away game, there wasn't that many Darlington fans there that day. And the ones that weren't there, I think they were a bit 
cynical and believe he, did, yeah. he was effective as he was. They had to trust those of us that were there. We, we weren't. We're not telling. Uh, we weren't telling fibs. He didn't. He was excellent that day. He was outstanding. But if you'd only watched James Caton in the first three, four, five months of the season, you'd be dubious. But he was outstanding that day. He was. Um, obviously, Stephen Thompson got the, got the hat trick, so he gets he gets headlines. Hat trick hero. And then Caton was good again uh, in patches against Blythe the, the, the following week. Um, and then got injured. He's back on the team again now, which is unfortunate, but uh, he'll be back soon, I think. What, what I thought was interesting, the previous game was Chorley, wasn't it? The whole it was, I, yeah. I, I missed that one, I was aware. Um, and I, I was reading on Twitter, you know, trying to follow the game as best I could. Um, you know, I, I think Tommy got a little bit of stiff, didn't he, for his, his, some of his substitutions. Um, whereas at Leamington, you know, you got them absolutely spot on the money. It was kind of, yeah, it was kind of forced to a degree because yes. he took Gary Brown off because Gary Brown had to go off because yeah, he was yeah. well, he was going to go yeah. somewhere else himself. The, wasn't the introduction it? of Phil Turner, yeah. James but, but before then, he changed formation. He went, he started. What was it? I think the average three five two. He started with three at the back with Gary yeah. Brown and took him off. Diaz Tyus came on, and then when Kent and Turnbull came on, that's when he went to this uh, was it four. What do you call it these days? Four, two, three, one. Is that what we're calling it these days? I think yeah, that's. I think that's, been it was. I think that's what's fashionable at the moment. And so it was almost an accident uh, to a degree because obviously you don't plan to substitute a centre back for a midfield after the first half, uh, move things around. So it's partly through accident rather than design that we've come to this point, this new formation and new shape. Uh, but you know, early days seems to be uh, working. Whilst Mike and I weren't at Leamington, we were in the home game, there for the home game against Blyde, which I think was, as far as I've seen, the most complete performance of the year. Best, best, best performance of the season, apart yeah. from maybe Salford, first game. I think so too. So let's go back and just remind ourselves with the commentary from Darlington 3, Blyde Spartans 0. It now. Alright, the tackle well from Reed, and now Thompson with it. Cheeky ball through and Stice is in and that's got to be a penalty surely, yes it is. Penalty all day long, Reece Stice brought down there, he's the last man as well but we've got this double jeopardy in haven't we? And that's a yellow card for Ryan Hutchinson. Stephen Thompson with the spot kick then, and it's in! 1-0 Darlow, Stephen Thompson again. Turnbull has uh, a chance to deliver the ball into the box here, it's in swinging, it's 1-2 attack, it's a blithe head first to it, Caton's picked up the ball just on the corner of the box. Tries to move his feet to get the cross, pulls it all the way across. Reese Stice back of the net. Reese Stice, darling, two blind Spartans, nil. Great work from James Caton picking up the loose ball on the left, gets to the byline, drills it back across. And no sooner has Stephen Thompson gone clear as our leading scorer in the league this season than Reese Stice says, You know what? I want seven as well. Darlow coming forward again with O'Hanlon. O'Hanlon to Wheatley, Wheatley bringing it forward. Clips it out to the right hand side for Stephen Thompson, who's got a little bit of time here. Dinked into the area. Science 3 0. Bullet header size from close range, great cross from Thompson who was in acres of space, Joe Wheatley found him with a great pass, Darlington 3, Blythe Spartans 0. Mike, I think just listening back to your commentary there of, uh, of Blythe Spartans home game, it sounded to me, and I was sat next to you at the time, like you enjoyed that one, you did didn't you? I really, really did, favourite game of the season by a distance I think, um, just the best performance um, I can think of as obviously I don't get to the away game so I didn't see the, the Salford game at the beginning of the season or um, a, a couple of the early games but uh, yeah I really enjoyed that Blythe game I think we handled everything they threw it was really well Pairs made a couple of great saves 
and just to come out of a game like that where we felt under some threat because Blythe are a very potent attacking force to come out of that game with a clean sheet was I was absolutely delighted yeah me too great performance and it's apt actually we're here at the Forum Music Centre recording tonight and the band in the next room you might pick up on the microphone have just started playing Ain't No Stopping Us Now Craig and, and that's how it felt isn't it on that day yeah, a little bit yeah I mean I don't want to put a damper on things too much but Blythe's form was a bit poor at the time and I think that 3-0 defeat to us that uh, was a bit of a wake up call for them uh, they've, they've made a couple of transfers since a couple of players have left a couple have come in and they've turned their form around so I would just bear that in mind yeah so yeah, but it was a good performance from Downton. It was uh, showed you what we're capable of um, when everyone's when we've got our best team out. Um, yeah, it was, a good, it was a good performance. I actually thought Kev, um, I thought Blythe Sparks played well on the day. Oh, I thought they looked really good going forward, and I just yeah. think we we had to play really well, and it was good. Probably maybe almost for one of the first times this season, I think, where we won a game because we were right at it yeah. against a team who were also playing well. Is that how you saw it as well? Uh, I, I was going to say I didn't. See it that way immediately after the game. Uh, I must admit, I only sort of noticed it the following day when I was doing the highlights that I noticed actually Blythe did all right here. You know, you, you've got to remember there was that pair save that you mentioned. Yeah, uh, end of the first half, yeah. 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 And then there was that Terry, Terry Dalbraith uh, tackle, which you guys completely undersold, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're sorry, Terry, if you're listening. <laughs> I got that one very wrong. <laughs> Me too. Um, you know, yeah. there was all that going before. We, we got the goal at just the right time. And you're right, Blythe did play some pretty good stuff. I mean, when we were 2 0 up, they didn't sit back and go in their shells, they still had a go at us. And when we got 2 0 up, the third goal, which was excellent, by the way, I think he'll be up there on goal of the season, personally. You know, it, it showed us our confidence coming back. You, know, you could see us getting our mojo back, as it were. There was a lovely pass down the left hand side. We split the plate inside where Tom just he takes control of the ball, sets himself. Prostrate away on the side of his head, yeah. you know, it's been one of the best goals we've scored in weeks. Mm. Right, and I thought that we looked like a side who was getting our confidence back. Yeah, good, Rob. Have you seen us play better than that this season, or is that about the pick of it for you? Uh, I was thinking you'd be able to pick it. I'll, I'll go with the Salford game, the first game of the season, because that was just we just how we controlled that game was just like you're thinking we, we, you know, we really are a good side, a good side here, and this season we're going to be in the playoffs and. Uh, of course, we know what's what's happened, and uh, of course we went on to York as well, which was an excellent game there. You know, we played really well there. But as a home game, definitely. I mean, I think that's the best home game, definitely. Um, hopefully, there's a couple of more to come. You know, that's it there. And I felt just when I was watching it, we just had a little bit of luck in a couple of areas. I can't remember it right exactly what we had, but just we've we've lacked a bit of luck. That's what we've last lacked. I know it shouldn't be shouldn't come into football really, but it does. And we just had that little touch of luck off a, 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 a pass here that went through or somebody missed a tackle or whatever. And uh, it just all came together on, 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 the, on that game. And, uh, yeah, so far I think that's been the best. Uh, been, especially at home. And at that point... Oh, sorry, Craig. I, was, I see, I mean, it came on the back. I, I was just mentioning the C-word, confidence. Uh, it, would, it came on the back of the Lemington win. So I think mm. that's a fact that it took that confidence from that comeback, the Thompson hat-trick. Yes. Took that into the Blythe game, and we looked um, much more belief in the team. We went one up with the penalty, didn't we? Um, yes. Reece Stage went down. Thompson took it. Yeah, Thompson yeah. took it. That, we've now had eight penalties in sixteen games. Uh, haven't scored them all, but we have scored eight. eight we have had uh, eight penalties in the in that time. Um, Blythe, by the way, they were in their dressing room after that match till almost six o'clock. 
Armstrong had them in the well, Armstrong had them in the dressing room after the game. Sent them back out onto the pitch for a warm down or something, getting them out of his sight. Basically, he was I don't know what he thought he was achieving by that, and had them back in the dressing room until nearly six o'clock uh, after the game, long after everybody else had left back all medals. Uh, so that tells you something about what he thought of his team's performance. He wasn't he, he wasn't too pleased. Well, I correct you a little bit on that there. They did go, go and greet the pies afterwards. <laughs> More than one left for me, unfortunately. But it's, it was effective, whatever they did, because whilst you brought in earlier their uh, previous poor form, since then and since Darlington turned them over, basically, and he had that hour in the dressing room or whatever it was, they've they've been on a great run as well. So they're no bad team. No, no not at all. I think I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they will be in the playoffs. Yeah, they will. And and Minster, you can you can pick it now. Yeah, Harrogate, York, Kidderminster, Spennymoor, Blythe, Brackley. How many teams are getting the playoffs? Are 15 Six, in the playoffs now or something? Seven, <laughs> seven teams, isn't it? It goes down it's far too long. Only the top one yeah. goes up. Yeah. And of course, you're going, to, you're going to have either Harrogate or Salford. Now, I think Harrogate are on the ascendancy at the moment, aren't they, with it? Yeah, they're fine. Salford are on the way. Down, you know, they were 10 points clear not so long ago, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. They were indeed. So, they were indeed. So we went, from those, we went from all this desolation and depression around <laughs> about the last podcast time and all of a sudden six points out of two games and that took us to Bradford Park Avenue, which was another good away performance, another clean sheet, another yeah. win away from home. Um, yeah. what, do you, what do you make of that one, Kev? That was a good, strong performance, wasn't it? It, it was a good, strong performance. Um, I was going to say for the first first three quarters of the first half it wasn't a particularly entertaining game I'm, I'm going to say it wasn't actually a great deal happened um, but we were pretty solid I thought uh, we didn't really give them anything cheap which was you know during our previous bad spell we were giving away such cheap goals um, and there was no no sign of us doing that against Bradford Park Avenue and then obviously we took the lead relatively early in the second half mm-hmm. I think um, yeah and then you know they're, they're another decent side I thought played quite well after we took the lead they did put us under some pressure but we stayed fairly solid and um, obviously, obviously Tommy had his game plan didn't he because he knew they were going to bring on Nowakowski mm-hmm. um, he had Gary Brown in his, on his bench to, to bring on to sort of mm-hmm. combat that and do you know what I think it got nervous obviously because of uh, Thompson's red card and it? Mm-hmm. it got maybe a little bit more nervous there but I thought for the most part we were Pretty in control of that game, just about. Just about, just about. I mean, second half was, well, as you mentioned, first half was dull, nothing happened. Uh, second half, we had to grind out a little bit. Tom Sowerby had a good start in his piece earlier. He, we made something like 50 passes in the second half compared to what, 150 in the first half, I think. That shows you pretty much where we were second half. We weren't really going forward as much. We were defending that early goal in, in the second half and, and we did we ground out in the end which you've got which you've got to do sometimes away from home against the team yeah. in the, I think they were seventh before the game and we ended up getting our second clean sheet in a row so that was quite it's quite an achievement for that and I don't think we got a trophy for that but it's still <laughs> I, I think we should have done I, I think it's a good away performance you know you, you go away from home against anybody and you're not going to control a game for 90 minutes you'd be lucky if you get maybe 30 maybe 40 minutes you know where you can put your stamp on the game and that's when you've got to do what you're going to do if you're going to get any points from it and I think you know during our best spell of the game we got our goal I think and we defended it I just think it was a fantastic game absolutely fantastic because I wasn't there I was, unfortunately I was on a course in Leeds literally only what five well it's a different way uh, so annoyed that I missed the game I, I was just I was 
looking at my laptop all the time, the Twitter and everything like that there. But I just think to get a clean sheet, and don't forget we only played them not so long ago, Bradford, and they, when they played them at home, they looked a decent side. They are a decent side, yeah. you know, and, it, and, and you know, you think, and this is just a point here, a decent side, and I bet their budget is not very big at all, so they put them side together, you know, that's a, that can compete in the top ten there. So, it, you know, to bear that in mind, you know, that so there are clubs up there that have got not a lot of money and we can, but we can put a decent side together, so it's not always about money. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think uh, some we need to learn because obviously next season, and we'll probably come on to this in other podcasts or whatever you do there, you know, about the budget and things like that and where we're going to be next season and how much money we've got. Um, we're not going to have as much as we have previously, that's for sure. The, the only thing which annoyed me about the Bradford Park Avenue game was um, Thompson's red card. Mm, yeah. Because afterwards the referee said, oh, sorry, yeah. I made a mistake booking you. On the on the first one, yeah. the first one I've got no problem with the, the second yellow card. Yeah. I think Tom uh, Tom probably does take a tumble far too easily. In fairness, yeah, he does um, the second one. But, right. but the the first one he gets booked for yeah. colliding with yeah. a player, which yeah. he's got no control over. And the referee turns around afterwards and says, <laughs> "Oh, sorry, I got that one wrong." And we can't appear it because yeah. it's two yellow cards. So Yet the referee has said, "I have made a mistake." Where, which which is where, where do you stand on that? Well, I know where you understand it, but. How many would have said that there anyway? You know, the referees don't usually say things like that there. You know, and I still think that I still think that second booking was because Tomo went he went down and everything, but he didn't like appeal it or anything like that. Or he, he got straight up, didn't he? The ball went out for a throw in. It was in midfield and everything like that there. Very unlucky, I think. Well, the only good Very thing lucky. to come out of it, two good things to come out of it, it didn't lead to us conceding the three points. That's one good thing. Mm. And then the second thing, I guess, is it's only one match ban, isn't it, for Tomo, yeah. yeah. which. He's now served, and he's in great form, Stephen Thompson, as well. And just yeah, for, really for the good of the order, I think Stephen Thompson's playing as well in this last few months as I've seen him play for quite a number of years, so I'm really delighted with that. The Levington yeah. trick was just dessert, just dessert, just rewards for, yeah. Um, yeah. for the, his standard of performance over the last few months. He is a player reborn, and that was that was the absolute peak of it. But we missed him on uh, on Saturday at Brackley. Uh, we missed Rhys Stash. We had players under the weather. No disgrace, I suppose. Disappointing not to be able to go to Brackley and continue that winning run, but no disgrace in the circumstances, would you say? Uh, wasn't quite a free little gem, was it really, I don't think? I tell you, that was me, Kev. I wasn't Castle, wasn't there? And I missed this game, and I don't miss many away games, I missed it, but I was listening on the, obviously on the, to you lads on the radio, uh, uh, and... It might have made a difference if we scored that penalty. You know, if we got that penalty, it would have been something to, to push forward to. Once it, once we missed that, with I think it was about thirteen minutes to go. I think uh, that was it. Was over yeah. really, but I'm, it gives I'm, you some hope. I maybe wouldn't have gone as far as saying we we could have got back and would have. No, but I, I, I know what you mean. But yeah. I think we went one little down. Um, we actually had a fair bit of the ball during that game. The pitch was horrible, mm. by the way. Um, and then we had that run on goal. Which should have been, in my opinion, a red card. And some people have said yellow, some people have said red. I think it's a red card, personally. I know people have said, well, he's not in control of the ball, etc. He's not going to make it. Well, how do you know? This isn't going to translate very well on the podcast, but show of hands, because I'm sure we've all seen it either <laughs> live or, or on the highlights. Who, who, who thought that was a red card? So we've got three hands there. We've got Rob, we've got Kev, we've got Craig with hands up. I wasn't there, but I've seen the highlights. I thought it was a yellow card from, from 
from your excellent footage, Kev. Maybe it's the angle you were at or something like that. I thought yellow, but there you go. You guys were I will have to confess that I haven't seen the highlights. Um, I always find them a little trickier to watch. I always find them a little trickier to watch after a defeat, so I haven't got round to them. Why is he invited? Well, that, that means I'm the only person. You made me feel really bad that I'm the only person who didn't think it was a red card and who's seen it. But why, did, why didn't you think it was a red card then? Because I wasn't sure he was in control of the ball. And, and I must admit, I'd seen all this. Do you have to be in, in, actually in control of the ball? A foul's a foul. Isn't it? If you kick the ball forward and somebody hits you, I think for this for a sending off, I think you've got to be in control of the ball. <sighs> you don't have to be in control with it attached to your foot, but you need to have yeah. possession of the ball. It seems uh, to me that last man red cards have gotten very confusing over the last couple yeah. of years because what, of the whole do- this say, double though, jeopardy stuff. What, what I'd <laughs> yeah. say is I'd seen everybody on Twitter and on the message boards, and I'd heard the you know, I'd heard everybody, and I, when I sat down to watch it. I thought it was going to be like, was it, was it Schumacher or something in the World Cup? <laughs> and I thought it was going to be an absolute yeah. stormwaller. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly wasn't as clear as I've been led to believe from, yeah. from reading all the reports. And the, the laws of the game were changed last year in time for, for this season. Um, the interpretation now is if it's accidental, if, it, if he's denied a goal scoring opportunity, a striker, which in this case Harvey Saunders, well, he was, he was, too, he was too, heading towards goal. If he denied a goal scoring opportunity, if it's accidental by the defender, that's a yellow. If it's deemed deliberate, that's a red. Now, clearly, the defender, he tried to disguise it as being accidental. He tried to make it look as though he'd fallen over and stumbled. Yeah. But clearly, for me, he's, he's a crafty centre-half, mm-hmm. taken Saunders down, who he feared would have been through on goal. The referee has been very lenient and interpreted that as being accidental. He thinks he's fallen over, so only booked him. And I think he's let him get away with it. It's uh, it's the first half. It's the home player, and he's thought he's he's given me yellow and get away with it. It's Gareth Dean we're talking about Brackley. If anyone's not seen seen this, anyone listening to the podcast uh, hasn't seen the highlights. Mike being one of them, um, <laughs> I would I would I would look down making own judgment. But um, that's pretty much how, as I see it. The Brackley's defender knows what he's doing. He's brought him down, denied a goal scoring opportunity. Well, I think where we'd all agree, whether it was or whether it wasn't, is it would have made potentially a difference to the game, right? Because first half, it's early. Was it 1-0 yeah. or 0-0? 1-0. 1-0. A deflected goal as well. Yeah, so so it would have made a difference for sure. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's almost like that thing you used to get in Roy the Rose and you are the ref. Yes. Remember that yeah. in the comic strip? We'd all have to try and do that. I think it's it's important to uh, remember about the Bradley game is we had a lot of players out, we had a lot of sickness. I think... You know, it's, it's important not to get too hung up on that result. You know, we're 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 still in some pretty decent form. There's there's no reason why uh, you know more players at our disposal on Saturday and we can't go and get something against Kidderminster. Yeah, and Kidderminster Saturday. But generally speaking, if we sort of wrap all of those up, put a ribbon on the top, since we were last year on a podcast, we I think we all feeling much brighter, start sleeping at night again, and, yeah. and potentially even looking up the table instead of looking down a little bit. Whilst accepting, there's you know we're not quite clear yet. There's a lot. There's a lot there to go, isn't there? Ten yeah. points from ten points from fifteen is a lot more than we were used to taking. Yeah. But um, over, overall, I think. Um, we know on 36 points now we but that that at the bottom there no doubt we'll talk about it in a few minutes uh, there's an awful lot there's a lot to happen we well, still need to win games I, I think if you, you went back to sort of before the Chorley game mm. you, you looked at the run of fixtures that we had you looked at the February and you thought yeah, we're going to get some points from that you know, all of a sudden we started February we played the first two games of February and we had six points in the bank <laughs> and that's amazing what you know complete changes in outlook for the rest of the world when I was chatting to Tom Sowerby talking about his performance analysis the other day, he said, I listened to the last podcast, he said, what you should do is bring up 
the last one when everybody was talking about what a good points return would be in February. He said, because I think you'll find that we've exceeded what everybody said would yeah. be a good report. Now, I haven't done that, Tom, so apologies, because I haven't dug the old file up. But he's right, isn't he? Everyone was sitting yeah. there in February saying, oh, four points, I'll be happy with four points. I sat six, it, I I sat it up with all the fixtures we went through, uh, and at that point in time, I had us maybe getting four points, so to get 11 was <laughs> understanding, really. Good, good <laughs> yeah. stuff. So well done, well done to Tommy and Alan and all the playing yeah. staff for putting a good run of form together that we hope can continue as we look through what on paper looks like on paper. You know, <laughs> we know it's only on paper. Looks like there's some, you know, easier games. I'm, I'm reluctant. It's even as soon as that comes out of my mouth, I'll regret saying it. <laughs> but but teams uh, at the low, around us and at the lower end of the table. So we're looking forward. Uh, to that but great run of form from the boys so the next thing I think we're going to talk about right now actually is since we've got the main man here himself since we've got Rob Duncan here is just uh, talk about what the supporters group have been up to and some of the uh, particular pieces of work that Rob's involved with on the fundraising side I know there was a talk in uh, earlier this week with Tony Waters as well um, so Rob it's been a busy time for you guys hasn't it as this new board's got together and started yeah. to do even more work for the supporters yeah, group yeah I mean the new elections came up in uh, in November there, and we've got some new faces. People re- retiring came off, and they've done their bit. And I'd just like to say thank you to a few of those people. They obviously know who they are, uh, especially people like Joanne Cameron, who was on the on the board and everything like that. Did a tremendous job. Still involved with the club with the hospitality and everything like that there. But yeah, we we. Um, we got some new members, and that's good to see because you you need an input there. There's one or two, uh, uh, well, certainly a younger lad, uh, Lee Kilcran, uh, who's come on board, and he's got some great ideas. And uh, it's nice to have a, a younger element on there because there's a lot of, never say, older people on there. But uh, uh, it's good to see, and we're we're, we're working in um, our way through in work groups and with little groups of people. Uh, some are looking at community things, some are looking at match day experiences, volunteers, all things like that there. Uh, perhaps in the next uh, podcast we'll get somebody else on to talk about the, what, what they're doing on there. But generally I've been involved in this, uh, and put on the uh, what we call the, uh, the fundraising community engagement uh, side of things, uh, which as people probably know me, I've, I've been in, I'm probably the longest, one of the longest serving people on the board. I've been five years now. When it was the kick and everything like that, I was involved and everything. So I've, I've, I've been on it a while. And uh, early days, we did a lot of fundraising and things like that. But what's happened over the last year or so before, uh, we, we were so much concentration getting from uh, to Blackwell Meadows. We really took our eye off the ball a little bit and we never uh, organised many functions or everything. But we realised we've got to get back into that because the club needs money always and uh, some of these events that we're putting on, obviously, eventually the, the club gets the money, not directly, but through, you know, where we hand it over and everything like that there. So we've put a little uh, group together. Uh, Tony, unfortunately, can't be here tonight because uh, he's involved in it. He's leading it with myself there. Uh, Mike, Mike's on it and uh, the little group and we've got Joe Cameron and... Uh, We've got uh, Stacey Fletcher who helps us out with quite a lot of things which I'll talk about in a moment. But um, yes, um, so we sat down and uh, we decided that we're going to have a few events that we're going to start putting on. As people probably know in the past I've put a lot of events on, I've mostly gigs but we've had comedy nights with other people and doing quizzes and all things like that, Mickey did the quiz and everything like that there. So if I could just have a little recap of where we're going and what we've done uh, 
obviously we had the uh, the band night at um, uh, the Cleveland Club uh, on the 3rd of February when we had uh, the Rat Pack uh, ably supported by our good friend Dave Cadman um, and we managed to raise £625 uh, off that night so it goes to show you know it's it's good money you know we the band uh, were very uh, came across very well people have seen them before we've had them on before and so that was good money and uh, we, we, we thought that was really good um, the next event that we're putting on is actually on the 31st of March uh, which will be again at the Cleveland Club uh, and it's going to be a band called The Silly Things Anything, is there anything about that band that people will be interested in hearing about? Rob, any, any yeah. members that, that yes, there the happens, happens to be the lead singer of that band is uh, our very own uh, chief executive officer, Dave Johnson. It's uh, his band uh, that he's played with uh, for many years now. Um, I can only say I've heard some of his singings on the on the uh, the sent me and everything to listen to, and I think he's very good, uh, but. I think just the fact that Dave Johnson wants to do this, and there's no, you know, he's doing it. Him and his guys are doing it for free, so we're going to raise more, even more money on the night there. Uh, I think it's fantastic, you know. That uh, I, I can't think of any other chief executive officer of any club around uh, are in a band. So uh, give, and give I've got the, to say, give us the details, Rob. Yeah, I'll give you the details the on this one because it's important that we we get this up and running. Uh, it's going to be on the 31st of March uh, uh, at the Cleveland Club on Nation Road. Uh, it's after the, uh, the uh, Southport game, so we're at home. So people go to the match and then they go home and come back there. The doors open at 7.30 with an 8pm start. Uh, we've got a, a support guy on, uh, which is a, a friend of, uh, of uh, Dave, Dave Johnson called Steve Johnson. No relation, spelt differently. He's going to play... Three quarters an hour, we guitar or whatever else. Then Stevie and, Johnson. Um, he's going to come off the bench and do. He might done it. Yeah, yeah. He might done it. Uh, but uh, and then uh, uh, obviously we always have a raffle and everything, which gets us a few few more quid in. Um, and the band come on. They call the silly things. Uh, yeah, Dave's band, uh, classic punk band, basically playing Clash, uh, the adverts, anything you can think of that time. You know that, that the, the popular stuff there. I've told him not to play his angelic upstarts and stuff like that. There, we don't want to hear any of that there. But some of the, but they do do that that sort of stuff. So it's going to be absolutely a fantastic night. I've I've got a target of 150 people in that hall. So at five pound a ticket, there you go, 750 quid raffle, whatever we can get on there. Maybe get it up to a thousand pounds, you know, which is a good earner for the club, obviously there. So. With regards to tickets, uh, you can get them from the Cleveland. You'll be able to get them from the Cleveland Club from this weekend. Quaker Retail will have a stack there. I'll have them on the fans' table uh, in the bar on Saturday, uh, and with posters to give out if people want there. My telephone number's on there. My email's address. There's no excuse for anybody not to contact me on that there, uh, Stuart. So you will be going that night, won't you? I'll definitely be going. I'll definitely <laughs> be going around the table. After the way you, you stared know. at me there. <laughs> but I, I just think, <laughs> just as this one, as a, as a thing there, for Dave Johnson, you know, I think it, I think it's just absolutely brilliant that, you know, it's, uh, uh, it shows his commitment. It shows his commitment. Uh, and I think we'll have a great night. So right. any, any other things? Yeah, very quickly, uh, we, we've got some good ideas coming up from people there. Some of them came out of the uh, the fans' night on Tuesday night, which hopefully we'll we, we get a better attendance on that uh, later on. We've got the band night. Um, we've got, obviously, on the 4th of May is the presentation night, awards night. Uh, obviously, at the uh, McCure again there. 
hopefully everyone comes on on there. And then we've got a few other things that are going. We're going to reorganise the quiz in the new uh, when the season starts. There, we've got ideas that I'm going to put on, and I'll I'll, I'll probably come on, uh, you know, later on in the year. Um, we're going to have a race night. Uh, we're going to have a stakeholders event, pre-season day with the fans. Uh, we're going to have a, a question of sport evening involving the rugby club. We're going to use them as well there. So. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot happening there's a lot happening and all I ask is when people are there just support us really you know you get a good night we're only charging £5 a ticket for things and it's uh, you know we should have there um, basically uh, I could go on a little bit further but uh, well, sa- save, it, save yeah. it for a teaser for the, for the next time yeah we'll do yeah. I mean we'll I think the, the thing that you know recognise from that is yeah. how much work's going on behind the yeah. scenes I'm sure everyone's grateful yeah. for it you got yeah. all sorts going on there you got live music you got yeah. quizzes yeah. so there's something uh, something for everybody something for and, everybody yeah. and the other thing the other thing as well Rob and, yeah. uh, and guys obviously that's been I think something that's almost attributable to the supporters group is the fact that we're going to have some new seats to sit in at, at Blackwell Meadows as well obviously yeah. the fans have contributed through the various offers and, um, and and ways to donate and contribute to that but that's going to be pretty that's going to be pretty neat and starts to make the place Craig look a bit more like a, a football stadium doesn't it yeah I was down there a week or two ago uh, to see it uh, to see it in the flesh and uh, uh, it looks much better. It's like a miniature East Stand, you know, the, yeah. from Freedoms. <laughs> it's, it's like that. Just doubling that attendance makes it look that, that size, yeah. doesn't it? It makes it look better, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does make it look a little bit more like a football stadium. It's a shame it can't go down the entire length of that side of the pitch, yeah. um, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it certainly helps, and it means that should we reach the playoffs at some point in the future, we won't have any issues about ground grading or, or, or anything like that. Um, after a big tick we can put beside that stand now job done yeah and we've sat in those seats a few times Mike and I have commentated from those a few times when there's been raining overhead or there's been too many in hospitality or whatever and certainly the existing seats that are there Mike they're a good view aren't yeah. they so if you're, if you're thinking about whether you're going to take a seat in those new seats down there it's it's a it's a good place to watch the game from totally different experience it certainly is place to be in amongst the fans I mean obviously the hospitality balcony is pretty busy but uh, yeah. I think that the background noise yeah, we're a lot closer to it. There's a little bit of acoustics in yeah. there. The other, the other thing as well, gentlemen, is it's going to give the uh, away fans uh, somewhere because they've missed out a little bit on that there, and so the way it's you know just a small amount of seats there. Now we've got more seats there, you know, so there will be away fans being able to sit there uh, because uh, you know it's not nice. You know, some some are old people and they need some seats, so you know that'll be good there. And the other thing, if you don't mind me mentioning it, uh, is that we're now. Uh, uh, the, the charge for uh, under 11s now uh, is free to get in yeah it's great so that's a, a great initiative that's been brought forward we need to bring the kids in and things like that there so there's an opportunity for kids now to come down uh, the, the Saturday games you know and hopefully bring the parents down but you know to actually get in free which I think is absolutely brilliant and that's as soon as the stand opens isn't it yes yeah. yes that's it, right yeah. it just gives us a bit of rigour room doesn't it I mean yeah. I've, I've got a 13 year old and yeah. Mike and Kev you know we're up there in the country box sometimes and it's difficult to try and find somewhere where he can see the game with his mates he loves coming down always has done yeah. But having somewhere he can sit and watch the game is going to yeah. change his experience hugely. He's actually going to be able to see the game and he's going to be able to go to the toilet and not worry about some big fella standing in where he was standing and everything yeah. like that. So yeah. 
it's welcome news in, in, in my household anyway. It's, it's, it's that sort of age, isn't it? 11, 11 years old where you want to maintain of interest because that's when it can waver and you yeah. know, potentially go elsewhere. If we've got somewhere where they can actually see the game, yeah. actually yeah. get them involved and keep them involved, then we've got a better chance of... Exactly, exactly, and not all of us are lucky enough to be born in a generation like Mr. Stoddart, where when you get to eleven and twelve year old, you start getting successive promotions and all, all of those good memories as well to keep you interested. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, yeah, I was quite fortunate, wasn't I? My first two seasons, we won the title in each season. The seats, by the way, I would compare it because looking at the stand, it doesn't look great because it's not the biggest stand. But when you sit in it, the view is actually not comparable to me to Heritage Park, the grass, the grass bank. It's yeah. that kind of view, but without dugouts in the way of blocking yeah. your view. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good little stand, um, and it'll come in handy for a lot of, a lot of our fans. Good. Well, we've done such a good job of advertising. There's probably 900 people trying to get in next week. We'll have to build a new one. <laughs> but Rob, Rob was talking about uh, away fans there and them having something to, somewhere to sit, which does, I guess... Uh, give us a slight segue into the next section which is what's happening else around the Vanarama National League North so uh, as we always do on our regular monthly uh, podcast we caught up with Simon Hahn just a couple of days ago just after the midweek games this week actually and asked Simon uh, what was going on around the National League North So Simon another month has uh, gone past here in between these podcasts and quite a lot's changed particularly if you look up at the top how are you seeing that one now? It's it's changed massively, Stu. Um, I think when we when we spoke last month, Salford were a long way clear. I know at one point they were ten points clear, and just tonight they've lost lost top spot for the first time in a lot of months. Um, Harrogate have gone ahead of them on goal difference after they they won tonight while Salford were held at home to Bradford. Um, I think for the majority of people, they would expect Salford to walk it. They have been walking it, and then I don't know if they're just just feeling the pressure a bit. Everyone. Everyone's expecting them to win it. Well, I think I know now, why that is. I think I know why that is, Simon. I think that's because yeah. the last time you said that Salford were home and hosed and were going to win it by a mile. So that's maybe where the pressure comes I know, from. I know. I know. I must be. My positions at the bottom have gone exactly the same. So I'm doing, doing something wrong. Um, Brackley, seven points behind, but with a game in hand, still could have a say. I think when we've played them, they've looked the best side we've played against both times this season. They've been very, very impressive. Um but I think I think Harrogate are just Harrogate's form. They've won the last five in a row. Salford has shown a few nerves, and it's going to be a very interesting end last couple of months to the season at the top when it wasn't really expected to be. Um, going on form at the moment, you'd have to fancy have to fancy Harrogate. Um, it's become quite fascinating, hasn't it? Because you're right; it was looking a bit sterile. That that so it was looking like a kind of a procession for Salford, wasn't it? Yeah. But now that Harrogate have come and got right into it, they've got a better goal difference as well by quite a margin, haven't they? It's looking quite exciting up there. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it straight away, Harrogate scored a lot more goals than Salford conceded similar amounts. Um, they haven't got to play each other again before the end of the season. But just momentum, such a big thing in football. And it's all all with Harrogate at the moment. And whoever, if, if they Salford weren't to get that automatic spot, if they then slip down into the playoff places, often sides in that position struggle to then then go up through the playoffs, especially with a new system where there's more teams involved this year. Um, I think the Salford really need to really need to get that get win the title if they're going to be getting promotion this season. 
Yeah, and thankfully, thankfully for us down at the bottom, things have got a little easier, haven't they? A little better. Still not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but it's looking a little brighter down there than it has been one or two of the previous times we've talked. How are you, how are you seeing that race at the bottom shaping up right now? Yeah, I think I think position-wise, we're probably we're possibly not any better off than we were than when we spoke last month. But just with our results, where I know we lost lost at Brackley at the weekend, but the three wins in a row have just given everyone such a boost on and off the pitch that we can we can go out and get results. And even though we're sitting as we speak 18th tonight, I think I think we've now got the confidence to go out and pick up the points, regardless of what any other teams do. Um, in terms of who's going to get relegated now, Ferriby, I think that's been that's been pretty much sewn up for a long time. The maximum maximum points they can get is only forty two and they haven't won for they've only won one game all season. So that by the end of by the middle of March I would expect them to have been officially relegated. Um and then the two teams in the relegation places at the moment, Telford and Gainsborough, the two of the teams were with the worst form over the last month or two. Um Gainsborough had a lot of games in hand. They've slipped away, they've suddenly only got one on at most on a lot of teams. And there's a, there's a bit of a gap opening up between them and them and Gain, uh, Telford, sorry, and Leamington, who are the other side of the, the safety line. And uh, Telford in a similar boat. They've got three games in hand on a lot of the other teams, but it's better a lot of times to have a point on the board. And they've only won one out of the last eight or nine, I think. So it's very unlikely that they're going to suddenly win them games in hand. How high, Simon, do you think you have to be in that table to consider yourself safe at the moment? It's tightened up, hasn't it? Looking at it, I think anywhere from 11th downwards. I mean, Boston have, have had a good couple of months and you'd think they'd have taken themselves out of there. But Nuneaton on that 39-point mark with Boston and before tonight, Nuneaton were right in the thick of it. I mean... From Leamington, who were 19th, there's only four points up to 11th. It's, it's a lot of places for just a few points. And all it takes is someone to lose or go four or five games without a win, and they'll be very, very near those, uh, the bottom three. Yeah, good to see how that one plays out. And the playoff's still much of the same cast of characters, isn't it, in the playoff hunt as it was last month, I think? Yeah, I think for top, um, it would have been different, different had Bradford held on itself for tonight, but the. For the top seven, there's a bit of a considerable gap to everyone else. Um, whoever doesn't go up out of Harrogate, Salford and Brackley, they've pretty much got playoff places sewn up. Um, Blythe, after we beat them, have gone on a good little run since they've won three, moved up to fourth. And Kidderminster have been one of the form teams um, over the last few months. They, they lost to Harrogate at the weekend, but before that they hadn't lost, I think it was 17 league games. So I think Blythe and Kidderminster should have spots secured. Um, Spenny Miller have got a lot of games in hand on everyone above them. And I know um, our friend Mind's not doing, not necessarily won the fans over at York, but they have picked up a lot over the last couple of months before the weekend. And I can't see anyone else really breaking into that. Um, Bradford, Charlie and Stockport, who are all just outside, none of them are in that good a form at the moment where they're not going to suddenly go and win four or five games in a row, which is what they would need to do to break into the top seven. Yeah, got it. I'm sure Martin will charm them all round in York there uh, without too yeah. much of a problem. <laughs> just just thinking then, Simon, before you go, finally, the last, just the next 
the next week or two, uh, next couple of weeks. Any any games catch your eye that we should be keeping an eye on in the National League North? Um, I think the big one involving ourselves is, well, Kidderminster is a big game on Saturday. The week after, we play Tamworth, who, are, apart from North Herbie, have the worst format of everyone in the league at the moment. I think since uh, Reese came to ourselves from Tamworth, they've hardly hardly picked up any wins at all. And they've, they were playoff contenders, and they're now suddenly right in the middle of the, the scrap for relegation. And I think that's one where, if we can, if we can win away to Tamworth, it'll just give us that little bit of a cushion before we go into some of the other easier games in March. And I think Tamworth could be one of the teams who, if they don't do something, they could end up in the bottom three um, come the end of the season. At the other end, um, Harrogate aren't playing this weekend and Salford play Tamworth. So it would be a good chance for Salford to... It's a game they would have to win, I think, just to cement themselves back at the top of the table. Very good, very good. Yes, yeah, still all to play for at the top and the bottom there. It's looking like it's going to be an exciting end to the season, Simon, isn't it? And who knows what that situation will be looking like when we when we come back and talk about this in, in another month as well. Yeah, hopefully hopefully in a month's time, I think our games get slightly easier. Hopefully we will just be sat in mid-table, nothing to worry about, but um, we'll have to see. Love it. Love that optimism, Simon. Keep it going. Thanks again for joining us on the Dallow Fans Radio podcast. Uh, that's Simon Hahn joining us, having a look around the National League North. And uh, Simon, we'll catch back up with you next week, next month, sorry. Yeah, that's great. Mate. Cheers to you. So thanks as ever to Simon for taking us on that short journey around the rest of the Vanarama National League North. It's quite a mouthful to say that, Vanarama National League North, but we managed it anyway. And I think, Craig, as you look, Simon mentioned it there, but right at the top last time we were here, that was looking like Salford were on a procession, wasn't it? But not not now. Uh, not now. I, I think it has happened every season we've been in the same division as Salford. Obviously, we aren't affected this time. But every season, Salford have had a, a, a bad spell at some point and eventually they've turned it around and finished on a high so I think they're used to this and eventually they will turn it around but what's frustrating for me apart from anything I noticed the other night the other night they had Nick Horton on the bench who's one of the best players I've seen at this level um, in the 18 months or so a brilliant player he was, at, he was at Charlie's team first half of the season on loan Salford uh, Salford signed him from Fleetwood obviously yeah, got right. recalled by Fleetwood sold to uh, Salford and, and Salford put him on the bench and it, it just demonstrates A, how much money they've got to throw around which is just crazy and, and then and B, don't even play him what on earth are they doing so but having said that I want Salford to win the title because I want them out of the division I want, I'm sick of the sight of them Get, I want them up so hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll be away and gone next season good and I think our collective hope around here and maybe expectation from a Darlington point of view is that we're cautiously starting to look upwards instead of downwards, right, Mike? And yep. you've been having a look at who we got the next few weeks. How are you feeling about this next podcast period? Um, I think you said it earlier, and at the risk of invoking commentator's curse or something, you can even do that on a podcast rather than live. Uh, it looks an easier month on paper, doesn't it, um, than, the, than the tough month, as I think I described it in the last episode, that we've just come through, um, you know, at one point going um, X number of games unbeaten, had a bad weekend um, at Brackley, but the end of one run is the start of the next, and I can see us. Kidderminster are going to be a tough one because they went unbeaten for absolutely ages, came mm-hmm. unstuck at the weekend themselves. Um, but I can see us getting something from all four of the games we've got coming up. Certainly the North Ferriby game on the 17th, you've got to look at that as, you know, how we didn't beat them at their place, we've got to beat them at ours. 
How long have you been watching Darling for, mate? <laughs> Not long <laughs> enough since I still believe that's what I think. And you, have you got, have you got a points target, Rob? Have you got something or, or a league um, position that you've I've you'd got a, for I, now? I, I, I've, I've got a points target, uh, four wins and two draws over there. I think, is it 10 or 11 games left? 11 games? 11 is where four, we've gone, four, yeah. four wins, two draws well, would get us to uh, 50 points. So I think, um, you know, that's that's what I, or something like that. Anyway, You'd yeah, be happy with that, Kev, or are you looking for a bit more? Um, no, I'd be, I'd be happy to, to take that. I mean, I'm, I haven't got the table in front of me, but when I looked at it last night, I think realistically we're... There's, there's one space, isn't the left? Mm. Now, really, that's mm. been. Oh, no, 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 no,
you hope they survive enough that they just get relegated to join us rather than being pushed all the way down. Yeah. But we're all nice people here, Mike. Yeah. We were all nice people with a good heart. But I tell you, you know, going back mm. to that rivalry piece, we sat here earlier, and between the five of us, mm. at least one of the what moment in history would you want to go back to? At least one of them was a Hartlepool. It was an Alan Walsh. Yeah. I bet if you went and did it. Mm. On the Hartlepool United podcast, I bet you'd have Joe Allen in there, or the other dude who scored the hat trick at the arena, or wherever it was. Ethan Williams. Ethan Williams. It really scored twice. One was a brilliant goal. It was a lot, wasn't it? To go on a thigh, turn and volley. But what's strange now? We haven't played them for. The last time we played them was that game. I think that was 11 years ago now. 11? Yeah, 2007. So there's kids now, there's people who can now vote. I haven't seen down the Hartlepool, which is quite weird because you we grew up and it was twice a season every yeah, season. Yeah. That, that was just how it worked. Your 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 kid will have never seen a down the Hartlepool again. Does no. he hate Hartlepool then? Mystified by it, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's that him, I suppose it is for him. It is Benny Moore or Salford or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. I guess it would be. I think the, the the good thing from Hartlepool's situation is um, having not followed it as closely as you know what they're obviously going to be following is uh, the ground situation is a yeah. lot better for them. I mean, I, I know they don't own the ground, it's sort of cantaloned, is that right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not going to be sold underneath them, you would, you would assume, so they've got that. Yeah. Now, that's, it's that's a massive the, thing, that. Yeah, massive. That's, that's the biggest massive. problem we have. They would, they would start, if it yeah. did come to them being dropped to the Northern League or something, they would be starting from a better position yeah, than they were. No doubt, no doubt. And I think if you were looking for a bit of advice, because, you know, you keep an eye out and stuff, you'd be... You, you hope for the best in that situation, but you've got to start planning for the worst, haven't you? You've got yeah. to try and mobilise your fans group or your trust or whatever it is. You've got to try and get people behind it because you never know if you need to if you need to press the button and get that yeah. sorted out. You don't have a lot of time to do stuff. Yeah. The, well, the one thing they have as well is what we never re- never had, and that's a celebrity fan. You know, Jeff Stelling for whatever he is, and I don't, you know, I what he is. Angus. Angus, no. <laughs> well, he became mayor eventually, didn't he? But with Jeff Stelling there, the backing that they've had of other professional footballers and stuff and people like that putting money in and things we never had that we never had that figurehead of somebody who was so high profile it doesn't come much more higher than Jeff Stelling does it really you know and uh, that's that that was the thing that's helped helped a lot to, to picture him out if he hadn't been there I think there would still be well people would just it's just another club going into the uh, in, in, into mm. administration or whatever but it, he's highlighted it so much isn't he every Saturday there in the face or whatever, you know these little rant with about Dave Jones and everything like that, famous and everything, didn't he? We've never had that celebrity, have we? Well, well, few few clubs do really. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, 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 I don't know ultimately if that's enough to save them, but I, I take your point. Yeah, yeah. It, they've retained a national profile because of because of yeah. Jeff Selling and, and his rants on a Saturday afternoon. Keeps yeah. them in the public eye, doesn't it? Yeah. With other clubs, it's like, oh, what a shame, and then you just move on to exactly, the next yeah. one. Whereas he's yeah. keeping. Pretty much in the public eye, isn't he, with it there? So. Yeah. The, the only weird little thing I would say, you know, for coming towards the end of it, is that um, they they raised that chunk of money, didn't they, to essentially, essentially keep the tax man yeah, away yeah. from the door. And pay the wages and, for that money. And then there was some money left over, which they handed over the club, which I, I could not get my head around that. I would Personally, I would have kept a hold of that money, in case, like you said, you but, needed a... To push yeah. the button on something. But we also in that Kev six years after with six years experience, if you like, you know what happened six years ago. Right now Hartlepool in their mind they're doing whatever they can to yeah, save yeah, to true, save yeah, the yeah. club. Oh, yeah. uh, this to stop the, the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Whereas we know we know that you've got to save for a rainy day, so yeah. to speak. You've got to have 
you've got if you're starting again in the summer, you need X amount of money, yeah. and uh, it's easy for us to make a cold, calculated decision mm, and yeah, to say yeah, save the eighty-five thousand pounds because you will need it when you when you're in the Northern League. They're thinking with their heart at the moment, which yeah. is where kind of well, where we did. were uh, six, six years ago. Well, best. Best of luck to them, is that the right thing? I suppose even, yeah. even with the rivalry, yeah, I'd be, 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 be happy for them to survive, but get relegated, I think that's the thing. You're all heart, Rob, you're all, all heart. heart. I've got a history, I've got a lot of history there. <laughs> good, good. So that's, I think that's us just about done, unless there's anything else good for the order. There's just one or two things that I've got on my list here, but uh, I certainly hope that you've enjoyed joining us for this February podcast. It's certainly a bit more chipper around here than it has been the last couple of ones we've done, and we thank... Tommy and Alan and the playing staff for, for that. A uh, couple of things that you can expect to see from us coming up. Um, you know, I think as we move forward to looking into next year, we probably are going to look for some sponsorship for the podcast and for the uh, fans radio, as well as the, some of the needs that Kev's got from an equipment point of view uh, for his cameras and his tripods and things like that as well. So watch this space. I think we are going to organise a... a, a completely optional donate button on the uh, on the podcast page as well so that'll be there if you like it and uh, as we move into next year we'll look for some additional ways that we can try and get the podcast and the radio and the media uh, the video youtube stuff paying for itself as well i think that's uh, maybe maybe time we start to do that before our pockets run dry <laughs> so thanks gents uh, thanks kev thanks to rob duncan coming along from the supporters group thanks as ever to craig from the Northern Echo and thanks to Michael Price who's been a contributor and also sound technician tonight sitting with his headphones on probably enjoying the music that's coming from the next room uh, who knows whether you'll be able to hear that or not uh, and let's hope that when we're back for our podcast at the end of March that we've got more wins and more points and uh, have climbed up the table even more we can enjoy bringing that to you as well so that's all for now do hope you've enjoyed it uh, you know where to find us and we'll see you again next month